Hello, and welcome to this special Springfield edition of the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, go rate and review the podcast. It helps us out. Give us five stars, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Now, this episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like honey, vanilla, maple, and my favorite, chocolate. And if you have a sweet tooth, go and try their peanut butter cups, which come in white chocolate and dark chocolate. Now, without further ado, El Jefe, Jeff, with Mother's Brewing. It's nice. It's easy. It's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I am grateful to be in the tap room or the brewery of Mother's Brewing Company with Jeff Schrog. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm having a pretty good day so far. Yeah, I'm 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 enjoying the atmosphere of Springfield. I've been here for two days. Wonderful. And welcome. It's, it's been a cool experience. I like how um, how small but yet medium size it is. Um, it's it's a really cool environment to be in and. There seems to be a lot of cool things going on. And yeah, that's, that's one of our really big goals here, is to celebrate the beauty of the Ozarks and also the benefits of metropolitan amenities. And okay. to have those two intertwined is really important for our culture here in Springfield. That's cool. So what, what, do, you, what do you love about your city, like about Springfield? I love that Springfield is simply on its way up and has been ever since I've been here. You know, Springfield started as a town in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And it's just pretty much experienced constant growth since then. None of it's been runaway growth. We don't boom and we don't bust. Yeah. But it's been a nice positive up. I also love we have a, a nice collaborative culture here. All the different entities work together. That's Both cool. governmental, not-for-profit. Um, the churches work together. The different, you know, uh, passion groups work together. And that's, that's a real positive thing for our community, I think. That's cool. Yeah, and, and you, Mother's Brewing has been, I mean, f- from what I've heard, is like it's been around for a, a while. So you, you've just, seen, you've seen, and you've, you've lived in Springfield, so you've seen Springfield grow. Um, how have you seen like craft brewing and stuff grow in Springfield? Let me tell you one quick story. One of the things I'm proudest of is when we opened in May of 2011, we had an all-ages family beer event in our backyard here at the brewery. We're blessed with about three acres of outdoor space, yeah. kind of out right, right at the downtown area, which is, which is really nice. And all ages, family-friendly, kids, alcohol event. Probably since Prohibition, that's the first one that Springfield has, has had. That's cool. Prior to that, if you had a beer garden attached to any kind of an event, and you were trying to bring a baby in a buggy, they'd say, no, you can't come in because the baby's not 21. Yeah. Even if the baby's with parents. 
months after we did that event, city council passed a thing to allow five family-friendly alcohol events on our square. Wow. They've just expanded that all the time. There's now alcohol at our family-friendly arts fests that we have that are outdoors. Mm-hmm. I feel really positive about that one little thing. Yeah. <laughs> just that one little thing that we were able to, I think, really show the community that, hey, this can be a nice, positive thing. Adults can enjoyably, can responsibly, excuse me, enjoy alcohol, mm-hmm. and and everybody's fine with it. Yeah, I I actually saw it was really cool. I saw a bunch of people like playing outdoor games while I was driving past yesterday, and it was really cool to see that. I love like beer gardens and stuff, and I love when people, um, or especially breweries, like have an interaction with like an active side of things, like being outside. And then also, like, you can drink beer, obviously. So Yeah, I love, I love that, too. And we're working hard to, to just increase those number of offerings in our backyard. That's awesome. And use that space all that we possibly can. Because cool. we just got lucky with this facility. It was a five-acre facility uh, on the western edge of the downtown that was a bankrupt bakery. Wow. And we were able to take it and make it into our own and, uh, and do things with a facility that probably would have been torn down or maybe set dormant for a long time. That's another thing I love is seeing old buildings come back to life. Yeah, I like that too. Tulsa's doing that a lot, like in the in the Tulsa area, they're revitalizing. I, I just love cities that like keep the historic buildings and like just don't um, destroy them. Las Vegas, like come, I originally come from Las Vegas and they destroy like a lot of history. Um, but like seeing, being in the Midwest, seeing like all these little like mid-cities like still keep their buildings is really cool i agree with you very much so yeah so so tell us a little bit about what originally got you into craft beer sure so i'll admit i was a really dedicated coors light drinker for a really long time that was my drink of choice yeah i even believed i could tell the difference between coors light and miller light and bud light and pabst (laughs) which is totally untrue yeah Uh, but i believed it and what you believe is important. Then I had a sojourn into wine, and I was a good wine drinker, and I explored wine a lot. And then uh, when craft beer started going in Springfield, a couple of places, suddenly I started giving beer with flavor a chance. Mm. And it's amazing what happens. And I read an article once where the f- you know craft beer is where the flavor of wine meets the accessibility of regular beer, and it's kind yeah. of a middle ground. I thought, well, that's who I am. I was a super light, non-flavorful beer drinker, and then I was a wine drinker. Mm. And so I just started getting bigger and bigger into craft beer. Um, And that was just my personal path. And then in business, um, I have a small newspaper, still have it today, got worried that newspapers were going to be in trouble and go away. So I started buying or starting other businesses as a means to support myself and the folks I was working with. And along about 2007, I decided, you know, I've got one more business in me. What's it going to be? Yeah, bunch of soul searching. Day after Thanksgiving, two thousand eight, I read an article in a magazine. I thought, you know what? I could do a craft brewery downtown. That was very important to me, having it downtown, and I could brew beer as good as anybody anywhere. I don't need special climate, special soil. I could do this thing right here, and that was the, I guess, the genesis of the idea. Mm-hmm. I joined the Brewers Association. I went to the national conference. I toured breweries. I started researching things looked at all kinds of different options, and I bought this building uh, June 3rd of 2010, and we brewed our first batch of beer April 1st, 2011. Wow, that's really cool. 
So it was a two and a half year old journey. Uh, it's become a destination career for me. I still have the other businesses and I promise those folks I'm not gonna sell the business, your jobs are safe. Let yeah. me go do this crazy brewery, <laughs> which I am doing. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. What what makes you what makes you passionate about um, being in craft beer or about I, craft beer? Sure, I've I've got a couple of things. First of all, beer being seen as the equal of wine on the table. Okay. And beer being seen as the equal of wine for pairing with food. In fact, often it is superior for pairing with different kinds of food. That's really important mm-hmm. to me. Um, you know, you order a bottle of beer at a nice restaurant and they come and they'll often just sit the bottle of beer on the table in front of you. You order a bottle of wine, oh my goodness, they come out, they show you the label, they open up the cork, they give you the cork. Yeah. You know, just that whole dichotomy of, wait a minute, you know, these things are equal things and, and how is wine treated differently than beer is? Well, one of the reasons is cost and that works both ways. Um, I believe very strongly that beer is still an affordable luxury. And yeah. I mean, what does it cost to drink a world-class scotch? And what does it cost to drink a world-class wine? You can drink a world-class beer. Every day, people are drinking world-class beers. And that's just, uh, that, that warms my heart. And I feel really good about that whole movement to hear something world-class, as good as it gets, somebody's pouring their passion into it, they're doing everything right, and you can still damn afford it. Yeah. I, I, I really, really like that. Um, also, I love the craft beer culture. It brings in all kinds of different people. We're always, well, too often, I should say, we're trying to stereotype these are the people that are drinking craft beer. Yeah. And some people stereotype it as young people. Some people stereotype it as only wealthy people, you know, only educated people. And boy, when you are in... Um, in places and talking to people, you just see this whole dichotomy. I mean, truly is, beer is something that brings everybody together. And craft beer also brings everybody together. And I love that whole factor of something that brings folks together. I love that a lot. Mm. Yeah, I I also, like, really love that craft beer, like, creates this community atmosphere of just different people. And, like, you just bring people together with it. So it's really cool how, like, one glass or one drink can do so many things um, for a community. And I have a background in small newspapers, and I know what a good newspaper can do to help a community, to bring a community together, to inform people, to be a big part of positive things that are happening. But I don't know that newspapers rival breweries. (laughs) I mean, you know... It's like a sports team. People are rooting for the local brewery. They're hoping it does well. Yeah. They're excited when they see it out of town. Uh, the amount of beer that we give away to just about anybody that asks for any kind of cause, I love that. I love that we can be there when people are sharing their special cause mm-hmm. and they're celebrating their special thing. And I, I love, you know, in essence, not quite a fly on the wall, but I guess a liquid in the glass, right? While yeah. somebody's celebrating something or enjoying something, that's really important to me. Hmm. That's really cool. I think I think something I geek out about too is like um, I love I love when when breweries are so creative with like their bottling or their cans or their logos and stuff like that and branding. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like I just I love that atmosphere of it. So I geek out on all those things too, as well. Yeah, it is very much the intersection of art and science. And science only takes you so far. And then mm-hmm. art takes you the rest of the way. And keeping both of those things in mind. That's another thing I love about it is, is that all the complex things of manufacturing and food manufacturing and, 
expiration dates and quality standards, but then mechanical standards of how you get all these things done and then the human element of everything. It's really complex, and so when it works, yeah, you just feel so much better because it's been so complex to get it to where it is, yeah. if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, no, that does. That totally makes sense, and that's a cool way to look at it. Um, is there any brewery, other breweries that have inspired you um, when you were making this business or like continually inspire you? Yeah, there's, there's lots and I can, <laughs> I can go through that list. Um, so first of all, kudos to people that have helped us the most and that would be New Belgium Boulevard mm. and Schlafly. Yeah. And they have bent over backward to help us in just all kinds of ways in borrowing their lab services, in borrowing the expertise of some of their longtime employees on equipment or sourcing or specs, on just thinking out of the box on how to design things, coming yeah. from really experienced people. I mean, the three of those breweries have just helped us a, a tremendous amount. Uh, breweries that I really admire, um, I admire the Liquid at Odell Brewery so much, oh, and yeah. I admire those people, and they just continually put out this really fabulous liquid. Um, I also admire Bell's for, for the same reason. Mm. Bell's just puts out some really fabulous liquid all the time, and I admire that. Uh, from a business side, I admire the heck out of New Glarus, being as big as they are in one state, and just saying mm. we're just going to sell this beer in Wisconsin, you know, kind of staking your flag, yeah. and saying we're not going to be looking here, we're not going to be looking there, we're going to focus right here. I really admire that. That's out of, really cool. Out of New Glarus. Yeah. Those are, those are all great breweries, I mean, that I, I'm a big fan um, of, especially, like, I feel like Boulevard was one of, one of my um, first craft beers that I've ever had. Um, what, speaking of that, what was the first craft beer you had? So the first craft beer that I remember was down here at the Springfield Brewing Company. When they opened up in 97, I went and got a, an inaugural mug club. They said these are going to sell out, it's this... It's this glass, it sits at the bar, you can drink out of your own glass. And so I and a buddy went down before they opened mm -hmm. and bought uh, mugs. And then I, I know I'd been there multiple times, but the first beer that really strikes my mind was the bartender said, untrue, it wasn't true, what she said to me was, you should try this Hefeweizen, we brewed it this morning. Mm. And I drank a Hefeweizen and there was all these flavors the banana, the clove, I was just blown away by all this flavor in a beer that looked like that. Now what she meant to say was, we just put it on tap this morning, I know now they brewed it weeks ago and did all these <laughs> things to it, but it, it sold me, Yeah, you want to try that? So that's, that's an experience I really remember. Prior to that, I was a guy that drank the lightest thing New Belgium had, whatever mm -hmm. the absolute lightest thing was, skinny dip, sunshine wheat, um, loft, those very, very light ones of New Belgium were kind of the first accessible beers yeah. that I could do. I know in the past I enjoyed some Shinerbach uh, way back in the day. Mm. Um, you know, I wouldn't consider Guinness to be a, a craft beer, but certainly I had a, you know, it's funny, Guinness being black, Yeah, just the, you can see it in a bar, you can see it when people are drinking it. You know, to me, there's always that interesting thing as I was drinking a Coors Light, looking at somebody drink a black beer. Yeah. Thinking, huh, that's really interesting. I wonder what's going through their mind. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if they're liking that. Yeah. And then when you drink it, you realize it's really pretty light. 
-hmm. It's not thick at all. No. It's just dark in color. And it's so different because it's nitro. Um, anyway, I digress, my friend. <laughs> yeah, Guinness, Guinness is an interesting, like, world. When I, when I first, like, tried a Guinness... Um, I thought it was I thought it was really heavy, and then I drank more porters and like stouts, and I'm like, man, the mm. syrups to, to to this stuff is way more intense than Guinness, and Guinness started becoming more smoother, so and easier to drink. Really yeah, I, I agree with you completely. So I uh, got into a few bottles of uh, Bell's Export Stout. Okay. And I think some friends bought it up there and brought it back. I mean, that's a beer I almost can't do 12 ounces of. It is so big and so thick and so rich. Yeah. But if you have a couple friends, you know, four ounces a piece, it's like caps off a perfect evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dessert in a glass. Yeah, exactly. What are, what are your favorite um, beer pairings with, with food? I'm intrigued. Sure. So I am a huge dessert and beer person. I used to be sparkling wine and dessert was the end all and be mm -hmm. all. And beer just blows that away. So an IPA with anything citrusy, like any kind of orange flavored dessert or key lime pie or anything oh. with lemon, anything with citrus is really, really good. Um, I'll, you know, I'll drink any kind of stout with chocolate. I, I love that very much. Or a simple brown ale with chocolate or anything. When you look at it, you know, desserts and beer are made from the same ingredients. And yeah. so they just complement each other so, so absolutely well. Uh, we mentioned Three Blind Mice where we got started. Three Blind Mice is a fabulous food pairing beer, but especially yeah. with meats. Mm. With burgers, with grilled meats, with chicken, it does a really nice job. Uh, anything hoppy with anything spicy, I'm a big lover of that. Oh. And feel really good about that with Thai food or Mexican food or anything mm. like that, where you've really spiced it up. Yeah. It just, it just really cuts through. The hops really cut through that. Um, a barley wine with a little bit of blue cheese mm. is one that I'm not a barley wine guy. Um, but if I can have a little bit of barley wine with a little bit of blue cheese, that's that's pretty much heaven for wow. me. Yeah, that's really cool. This you describing this is like getting me really excited. Kind of makes you hungry, yeah. doesn't it? Hungry yeah. and then like want to want to taste and try like uh -huh. and just have like a tasting night just with with all these things, with all these beers. One of my favorite things to do is get a little group of people together and then that way, you know, you just be as adventurous as you want to be with beer cuz you're splitting 12 ounces. You know, you're all having 3 ounces or 4 ounces. And, or even half that, and the ones you like, you go back and finish the bottle, and it's no pressure. I really like to do that whenever I can. Yeah. And you can, you can taste 20, 24 beers pretty easily. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing that. That's really cool. That's really awesome. Um, what would you, can you describe some of the beers that you do have, like, seasonally, and, um, and some of your regulars. Yeah. So I'll start off with a little helper. It's our uh, Midwest Coast India Pale Ale. Mm. It's a 7% ABV, the highest one we offer regularly. And it is kind of a blend of East Coast and West Coast, hence our little Midwest Coast plug on there. It has really nice accessibility from a high malt bill, okay. malty, but then also some beautiful citrus hops and a little bit of pine. So a mm. pretty nice melding of the best of both traditions in our opinion. Yeah. Uh, three blind mice we've already talked about, just a little brown ale, and then yeah, Toehead is a, kind of our blonde, blonde baby. Uh, easy, accessible, easy to drink, wonderful with a lemon or lime on it. 
uh, works out really nice. Um, our, our seasonal beers, our granddaddy of seasonal beers is Winter Grind. That's our coffee stout. Oh. It is the best coffee stout you will drink. I know that I am biased with that, but I, <laughs> I love that beer. I love all the stuff that goes in that beer. We start selling it the last week of October, okay. and we'll sell it uh, through February, typically. Right. I'll have to come back for that. Yeah, you'd be most welcome to. We have a great Oktoberfest, a really good Marzen um, called Oktoberfest. We have a real beery pumpkin ale that comes and goes real quickly in in pumpkin season. Um, Uncanny was our spring seasonal, but we've decided with the popularity of that beer and the high rating on the rating sites, we're going to start bringing that beer out Mm year-round. So it's going to come out year-round to all of our markets uh, by September. Okay. And we're pretty excited about that. It's just a... A really nice pale ale, uh, 6% ABV, um, you know, that's the beauty of a pale ale. Not too hoppy, not too bitter, not too malt, just kind of a Cinderella beer yeah. uh, that we enjoy. Our, our big, our uh, I guess, big sought-after beer, we have a couple of those. Uh, the top of the list is the MILF, which is a 11% um, dry stout uh, with um, aged in a whole variety of spirit barrels. Okay. So we're going to have rum, brandy, bourbon, rye whiskey, and whiskey. Wow. And then we blend it all together, and then we release uh, single-barrel variants of that of that beer throughout the year. Whoa. Really nice beer. That's one of those beers we can sell all we make of it. Uh, we brew it um, per schedule throughout the year to make sure that the barrels... Um, the, the liquid gets the right amount of time on the barrels before we blend it all together. That's really awesome. Uh, Doozy is a double um, IPA that we reformulated. Uh, Citra hop is, is the main flavor of that beer. We feel really good about where that beer has landed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the name, uh, Doozy. And uh, we, we do a little bit of oak aging on that beer. We use oak staves that we just mm-hmm. put in there for kind of a short amount of time at the end. And uh, works out works out nice. <coughs> Excuse me. That's awesome, man! Wow. And then finally, we have a backyard series, which is typically fruits or vegetables uh, that we uh, put in the beer. We have a peach beer coming out. We just finished with a cucumber beer. What? Um, and it was pretty doggone good stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I've I've heard some because um, I was I was talking to. Was it uh, Lost Signal yesterday? Mm-hmm. And they were telling me about, like, different beers. I just feel like the beer in Springfield, like, you guys are experimenting on different things that I've never heard of. And, and it's it's cool and exciting So to hear about. So it, it is very much. And that's something I love about this, too. Yeah. That's really cool. So um, tell me a little bit about, like, some of the hops you guys are using and kind of describe them a little bit. Or your, or your favorite ones. Yeah, so we still use a lot of classic hops. Uh, Little Helper, we use the most hops in that beer, and that's a blend of Falconer's Flight, uh, Centennial, and Cascade. So mm. s- same hop bill that we've had for all, all six years, some, some pretty standard stuff. Uh, we love to play with new varietals. Um, Uncanny has some Galaxy in it, at least at, at this point it does. Uh, We've played with some, uh, I always pronounce it wrong, the Hugh Malone. Uh, it's kind of a newer hop that we like for some of the, the melon characteristics of it. Um, 
Our hops are sourced like everybody else's is. The Pacific Northwest dominates. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand has really come on as a hop-growing region. Oh, wow. And then we have the classic varietals from Europe that we all... Uh, we love to talk in craft beer how, about how we only use the finest ingredients, but we all use exactly the same ingredients. <laughs> and the good news is it makes it all good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we buy it from the same people, um, and everybody can buy the same thing. It's what you do with those, with those ingredients that, that make your liquid special and different. Mm. That's really cool. So what, what, what's your favorite, what would you say is your favorite brew style or, or, or brew that you like to drink? Yeah, I, I enjoy some hops. So probably the India Pale Ale. Um, I, though, typically will... I've backed off a little bit, uh, like many people have, on, on hops, so I also really enjoy a pale ale. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, at least with my personal drinking, whatever the newest thing that we've just put out with, I'll drink that pretty exclusively for a week or two yeah. and then kind of get back to, to my old standards. Um, I'm on a kick right now of loving our Toehead. I kind of go on a kick with the year-round beers throughout the year. Yeah. And we'll get on a kick uh, with them, and that's what I drink, and that's what I think about. Okay. That's awesome. So what would you say um, is a big struggle that you had in creating Mothers or, like, something you continually struggle with? Well, always getting the financing is a tough thing in any business, yeah. and it was particularly with mothers because of the timing, because of the Great Recession was in full um, uh, full blast, I guess, when we started out, and it was really hard to get the initial initial financing. I thought that I had graduated past the SBA with my other businesses and different things mm-hmm. that I've done, but I had not, and I had to go back to do SBA financing, which is always more expensive than their kind of financing. Yeah. But it's typically the only thing they're offering when the economy is bad. Huh. So financing anything of any scale or size is always the uh, difficult thing. Uh, you know, and then, and then people. You've got people that you think are going to fit in, people that do fit in, people that start out fitting in, and then things change in their circumstances. So it's always dealing with people, you know, yeah. is, is a challenge. I consider myself lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the folks that work here. I've enjoyed um, getting to know them and working with them and learning from them. But keeping people, you don't want to say keep people happy because that's not your job to keep people happy, but keep them productive, keeping them enthused, keeping them looking uh, for the next idea, the next mm-hmm. opening, or the next way to improve something. Um, you know, that's always a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Good. No, go ahead. I was going to say because. Um, I bet just like, I mean, because you guys are, are bigger than a regular microbrewery and stuff, I bet just like the upkeep of, upkeep of like just, even with social media and like all those things, like you just have to constantly bring in something new, like owning a business is just like always something progressive. Yeah, I've never done anything like this before, and A, I see why, because it is so much more complicated than, <laughs> yeah. than, I, than I thought. Uh, but B, yeah, you've always got to keep up and keep going, and that's been a uh, that whole feeding the machine yeah. thing of keeping new stuff going uh, has proven to be a, a, a challenging thing. And when you do it, it's very, very rewarding when you succeed. Yeah. Uh, and then there's all those other times. Yeah, because I, I constantly see, like, breweries and stuff always, like, pushing out new stuff, and it's like you've got to keep up with other breweries to to have new stuff as much as them so it's interesting oh you're right yeah (laughs) 
what um, what would you say um, is a big misconception, like being a brewery, a, a brewer or owning a, a brewery? So a little funny thing is I used to crave going out and being out and being out and about. Um, and then when I opened a brewery and it became work, mm-hmm. now I crave nights when I can go home and not do anything. And that made me laugh about myself. <laughs> um, so the notion of the eternal fraternity boy who's always out and always at parties and things, you know, I, I crave when I can just go home alone in silence and and sit, and, it, and it's kind of funny. I read an article many years ago about beware of turning your hobby into your business. Yeah. And uh, that certainly rings true. I'm an avid drinker. I love drinking. I love drinking in bars and restaurants. love the whole social aspect of it in addition to the, the taste of alcohol and the effect. And so now that I do it for a living, uh, that changes that whole factor. And there are times when I'm out of the market, and it is absolutely sure bliss to walk into a bar. Nobody knows who you are. You can order anything you want. If you don't like it, you don't have to finish it. You don't have to worry about people are gonna say, "Well, you know, he's a snob. He drinks his own beer. He's an ass. He's cutting other people's beer." <laughs> oh, look, he drank his own beer. He didn't finish it. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, all those different things I worry about. Nobody else gives a crap and worries about them, but I still worry about those things. So, so I guess the, the biggest misconception is it is not fun all the time. It yeah. is still a job. It is still work. It still requires all, all of these different things. Um, so the best part of it is the people you meet and the enjoyment that you get to have with people mm. around your work. Um, if I was in the septic business, I would probably meet great people too, but the enjoyment around, around, <laughs> around my work would not quite be the same. Yeah. You know? um, but recognizing that it is, it is still work. Yeah, that's funny. It's too funny. Um, what would you say is, is a reason you believe, in your opinion, why craft, why craft beer is becoming such a big thing right now? Because it, it is a huge thing. Like, it's just blowing up and there's microbreweries going everywhere. Why, why do you think that? I think there's two main factors working together. Number one is that flavor always wins. Yeah. And a friend of mine once said that if you went and had bad coffee that set on a burner every day of your life, and then you went somewhere and had a really nice crafted cup of coffee, man, it's hard to go back to that burnt, acrid flavor of coffee that sat on a burner for an hour and a half and yeah. just it didn't taste very good. Once you've experienced flavor, it's hard to go back. And that's what craft beer offers is flavor in beer, and it's hard to go back. Two, that notion of knowing the person that produced my product or having a tie to the person that made this product. That human beings are really susceptible to that, and I think the industrialization of our food stuffs that happened between 1920 and 30 and 1980 or 90, that that's the anomaly, and that knowing the people who produce your food or produce your beverages and having some sort of tie to them, knowing their philosophies, their standards, what they're doing, that, that that is how human beings want to be. And we're just getting back to the normal of that. That's what I firmly believe. So local food, knowing who, who's doing it, and then also the element of flavor. Yeah. Those, those are the reasons why I believe craft will always win. Flavor always wins, I like to say. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Flavor always wins for me, like, in choosing things. So, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> that's why I come back. Um, 
what advice would you give to someone if they're looking into being a brewery or a microbrewery or getting into craft beer or a small business? So I always try to talk people out of opening a craft brewery. When I started, there were 1,700 craft breweries open. There's now 6,000 wow. just in six years. So I know it's romantic, and I know if you're opening a craft brewery, you know, your friends and family are going to say, like, you know, way to go. But yeah. it may not be the way to go for you. I mean, I always encourage people, look, look at distilling. Distilling is so much more profitable, and it's so much easier. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't expire. Uh, you make so much more per ounce. It is such, so much less work than brewing. Uh, just consider distilling. If your passion is alcohol, consider doing a micro distillery and distilling your own stuff and making your own cocktails based on your own liquid. You know, just that gets overlooked, and uh, because it's less accessible, yeah. but it's also so much easier uh, to do. My advice to people wanting to do business is is always the same thing. If you think you're going to go into business, watch your credit because a bad credit score can haunt you for a really long time. And then two, learn to live uh, below your means. Make sure you're always saving money and able to put money aside. People in small businesses think all the money that comes in is theirs. And then sometimes they realize just a little bit too late that, oh, wait a minute, there's these bills that weren't paid. There's these taxes that are due. And so learning how to live you know, beneath your means is, is, is so very important. And then finally, anything you can do to get experience by volunteering, I believe, to be so powerful because the worst thing they can do is tell you, I'm sorry, you can't come and volunteer your time for free anymore. And you can learn all kinds of things. If you're passionate about craft beer, volunteer with a beer festival and see how that works and, and meet people and talk about stuff. They, they need volunteers. Hmm. If you're interested in learning more about finance, volunteer with a small non-for-profit. You could become the treasurer of that. You could work with CPAs. You could learn how things uh, work in, in accounting. And you're getting that, that benefit for free. Yeah. And you're furthering yourself and you're furthering furthering something else. Yeah. So those are always my three tips with people on starting their own business. I guess my final one is always never have a partner, never have an investor. Uh, I said people really? all the time, no partners, no investors. Uh, there's no hell on earth than uh, having a business partner, I believe. Wow. I always, I always hear, it's interesting because everybody always says go in with somebody somebody else. Um, what I always tell people is if you're going to uh, fail, absolutely go in, go in with a partner because they're going to burden their half of, of the failure. Uh, by all means, get an investor if you're going to fail because the investor can't do anything to you. Uh, they yeah. have no rights to get their money back. You know, they can't really do anything. They can't come after you. Uh, but if you're going to succeed, just go borrow your money from a bank and don't have any partners because the upside of a bank is very, very limited. You know, yeah. They're going to get their percentage. That's all they're going to get. They're not going to haunt you. They're not going to want 20 times what a normal return would be. They're not going to be in your face all the time. It's a very simple transaction with them. Mm. Whereas if you're successful with a partner and an investor, there's just no way to get them out of your life. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's a smart way to think. Yeah. That has been my experience. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few good ones, but they are very few and far between. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. What what made you what made you name uh, Mothers Mothers? So we looked at hundreds and hundreds of names. Almost every brewery in North America is named for a geographical feature ah. or for someone's last name. And we thought, you know, we could be a little bit more clever than that. So Mothers stands for love. 
love the idea of opening a craft brewery. Love the idea of uh, brewing craft beer, of flavor. The notion of a mother cooking the family's favorite food in the kitchen, us cooking uh. the community's favorite beer at the brew house. We love all that. So mother stands for love. The heart tattoo logo, that was a really lucky accident. I mm. sketched it on a fax that I sent someone and said, wouldn't this look great on top of a row of tap handles? Turns out it does look great on top of a row of tap <laughs> handles. And it turns out nobody had that trademarked. Yeah. We were able to use that and make that our own. And that's been a real positive thing for us. Yeah, it's, a really, um, it's really cool. And it's really, I think, sometimes I think it's awesome just looking at that because you think of that, that funny tattoo that friends usually have and say, what if you get a tattoo of your, mo- like your mother in the heart and stuff like that? So, but I think it's great. So that branding is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So um, what makes your beer um, different than, than other beers? <clears throat> or why, why do you think it's relevant? Yeah, there's two things we specialize in. One is hop-forward beers, and the other is uh, beers where there is a flavor added to them that doesn't come from the, from the hops or the yeast or the, or the malt or the, or the water. So learning to brew with hops is um, sounds simple, but is fairly complex. Mm. And you have the interaction of the hops and the malt. You have when to add the hops, all these different things with them. And hoppy beers are popular. And just putting a lot of beers, that hides a lot of mistakes. Yeah. But using the right amount of hops and not using it to hide mistakes, that's a little bit of an art. And so we're proud of where we've come with, with our hoppy beers. Uh, using flavoring like coffee, like cucumber, like peach, all those different things we were talking about, barrel aging, those things. Uh, again, that also is kind of the art of the subtle and learning how much to use. Um, it's very different using real ingredients versus a concentrate or yeah. some sort of a juice or an extract. We typically don't use those. We use those in very rare instances and almost only for spices. Um, we just can't get the same flavor out of a peach extract that we can out of a peach. Mm. And so we, we enjoy doing that and working with those things. So we like to say that we're a group of fun, clever, quirky people who are only serious about the business of beer. And we'd like to think that that shows in our packaging and our branding, but also in, in the flavor of, of the liquid. And we think that's what makes us a little bit different. We've always brewed true to flavor as opposed to true to style. And a lot of brewers really focus on, okay, this style is supposed to taste like this. And that's great. That's your passion. But our passion is always, what do we want the beer to taste like? And let's blend several styles together. Let's put something in this that is not true to this style. Because we want to be true to flavor. We put being true to flavor over being true to style. That's cool. Um, So how could people, like, find where you guys are? Or like any social mediums? Or... Sure. So uh, mothersbrewing.com, brand new website. It links you to everything that we do. Also following us on, on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat is, is pretty pretty easy you guys have to Snapchat? do. We do. Yeah. Nice. Um, Instagram, we have a pretty good Instagram following as, as well. Um, the brewery is in downtown Springfield, Missouri on Grant Avenue, 215 South Grant, G-R-A-N-T. And we're open uh, Tuesday through Sunday in the afternoons, mm-hmm. starting at 4. And then on Friday and Saturday, we open at 1. Okay. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for being on the Low Key Podcast. I could hear you. Like, I could talk to you for hours. Well, you're very kind. I yeah. could talk about beer for a long <laughs> yeah. time, too. I could listen to, like, 
about the science, the way you talk and articulate things is, is really cool. Um, but I want to thank you for being on. And You're very well. Um, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll come check out Mothers More. Wonderful. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Thanks. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. I want to thank Jeff with Mother's Brewing for being on the Low Key Podcast. I want to thank him for giving us a behind-the-scenes look at Mother's Brewing. So if you're ever in the Springfield area, go try one of their cucumber saisons. Or maybe try one of their other beers. Maybe their oatmeal stout. Guys, if you subscribe to us, go rate and review us. Also, if you listen to this podcast and don't subscribe to us, subscribe to us on iTunes. And go, go like and follow our Instagram and Facebook page. And go check out what we're doing on our website. We just did a photo shoot with our shirts. So I know I've been saying this constantly, but our shirts will be promptly on sale pretty soon. So keep an eye out for, for keep an eye out for that. And then also just keep checking out our stuff, our social mediums because we may be giving away stuff. So guys, that's it in low key land. Keep it nice, keep it easy, keep it low key. Thanks for listening. Thank you.